that's gonna be my new one. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that is not making the pod if that makes the pod i quit <laughs> no i'll cut that out <laughs> maybe that'll be my love maybe that'll be my love i'll save it oh there you go well no maybe i don't know i got lots of loves today we take one week off and I had love hugs and hate mail from, from I kind of wrote them down for that week. And then now this week there was more than enough options already. So now I have like three weeks worth of love hugs and hate we'll mail. Let you go first. <laughs> dance, dance. How does Chris sound? Is that, that's, do you have some background noise going? Do you have, is there a, a, a motor going over there? Or is that just some audio? <laughs> You want to do a quick clap and then I'll get him in here too. One, two, three. Three, two, one, asshole. Uh, <laughs> feeling, feeling ornery. That's good. That, that, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. So I, I listened to your guys' last podcast. Oh, nice. Chris, I vehemently disagree with having, like, thinking it's okay to cheer for the Warriors and, like, the parallel between them and the Blazers. Yes. Do not see it at all, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't see it at all. Mikey, I love it, man. You come in here, you're like, okay, I heard your last pod, and I have some, I yeah. have some notes. I have some yeah. things to say. No, I was <laughs> like, he's like, hey, nice to meet you. By the way, your tapes. Go on. <laughs> they're, they're like, I have eight names of guys who we could possibly take at seven. <laughs> Especially now that we know, that we know it's the seventh pick. I'm almost more convinced it's a trade asset than a future blazer kind of thing. Uh, yeah, as always, I totally disagree with you there. So That's uh, fine. I'm about, okay, cool. We'll, we'll get into all that. <laughs> I just yeah. like to have some fun. Anyway, let's get this going, Keith. I'm okay. ready. Hello. Rip City to all of you in town and out of town and in every corner of the interwebs. Thank you and you and you and you and you and you're cool and you and you and you for tuning in. No, here with you from Hood River. (laughs) Wait, what's that? Here with you from Hood River. My name is Keith Elner Smith, and here with me, the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segues, Mr. Professional Christopher Joseph Burkhart. What's up, buddy? I didn't mean to interrupt. I thought that's just how we flow. I thought we just are, <laughs> you were we are very we are very organic. I didn't know that like this was like this was Keith's time. No, no, Chris, no, no. Sit no. down, you shut sh- up, wait till wait till you're pointed <laughs> to and selected. I didn't know that. You know should that. interrupt. The real problem was on my end. I have I've only got one ear on. Uh, I've only got a headphone on one ear, and I have the volume turned down. So when I heard you say something, I couldn't tell you what you said. Oh, I didn't want to just roll right by it. I wanted to make sure I acknowledged <laughs> the, the hey. beautiful tones of, of we'll the Mr. Burkhardt. I don't know. They still sound kind of nasally over here. I'm still battling. <laughs> let me tell you what. Yeah, dude. How you feeling? You you like. Give us a number. You at like 80% right now? What, oh, what I, I'm at like 80, 85. Like, okay, I feel good. 85. Like, I feel good. Still got a cough going. For those of you who don't know, we missed last episode because I, I tested positive for COVID. Whole house did, unfortunately. And my luckily, my two children had like no symptoms and like... My, my youngest tested positive and was doing freaking cartwheels across the floor like an hour later <laughs> while I'm on the couch just like uh, you know and my wife had it and it hit her good for a couple days and then you know all praise to her she soldiered through because it hit me hard so I'm like I'm sorry I gotta tag out 
and I was in bed for like three days, real bad, and now here I am. But you can tell, still nasally, man. It's like, dude, like if you ever, all, most of the other symptoms are gone, but God, I'm, I, I could fill like a gallon bucket the amount of freaking mucus I've blown out my nose. It's gross. <laughs> like, how does the human body produce that much? It's just, it's, it's so oh, wrong. Man. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're with us, though. I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, glad things are, are coming along. Uh, Let's uh, let's get straight into the love hugs and hate mail because, like you said, Chris, we took a week off, and suddenly there's a lot of love hugs and hate mail. We're, we're, we're just I, I'm I'm going double enough. I'm I've got at least probably I don't know if I'm going to go two for every uh, section, but you know. All right, Keith. Let's, well, let's since you are prepared and I blame COVID for my ill preparedness, <laughs> you're going to go first. <laughs> that seems fair. That seems fair. Uh, my my love is fairly easy. It's kind of uh, picking the the low hanging fruit here. Uh, send some love to Nikola Jokic, man. Winning the MVP. Back-to-back -back wins uh, of an MVP. The 13th player to do so. The first player ever this season with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, 500 assists in a season. Uh, and this is also, he he's putting on these numbers while missing his like second and third best players in Denver. Uh, well, at least his second. At least that. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and MJ, you know, uh, Michael Porter Jr. is, yeah, he's probably his, his third. And this is the thing, Keith. I get... I get fandom, right? So people are gonna stand for their guy. So you like, but mm. but but the Embiid guys who are just like so adamant that he was robbed or this and that, like this to me was I thought one of the more intriguing MVP races in a while because Embiid was more than deserving, Jokic was more than, than deserving, um, Giannis was more than deserving. But from the games I watched, I, the most valuable player on the court in those games I watched was Nikola Jokic. Like Nikola Jokic was changing games left and right. And like I said, didn't have uh, his, his second two best players there with him. Now that's not a slight on those other two because Joel Embiid is, has been absolutely phenomenal. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA, regardless of winning an M uh, MVP or not. When people go, well, how does you know, he, how is he the best player if he didn't win the MVP? It, dude, if the MVP award was literally giving to the best player in basketball, LeBron James would have won it for like 15 years in a row. Like, but LeBron does not have 15 MVPs to his name. Neither does Michael Jordan, right? So, but no, love that Nikola Jokic won it. Uh, he was my pick and definitely deserving. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned he was your pick. So would have been a question too, is Giannis or Embiid. I, I like Giannis a lot for it. I'm not as big on Embiid, uh, but I do think this is interesting, Chris, kind of what you mentioned. Does this kind of signal a change in how the MVP is being viewed or decided upon it, it's voted on by journalists it's not by mm -hmm. players it's not just by looking at stats and saying here's the numbers here's who had the right. most value in some form or another uh but for a long time it's been about the best player on one of the top teams so in that case this year you would have been looking at like devin booker or who finished top in the east miami heat jimmy butler maybe yeah uh but instead denver finished sixth in the west then they got beaten the first round by golden state obviously they weren't even really ever quite in contender status because of the health of the roster like we're saying but to pick a MVP of the season off of a team who finished sixth across the regular season, I think that's different. I don't think you would have seen that many years in the past. Um, Andy Bailey, I've, I've cited his stats on here before a lot. Hey! He had some nice info about this as far as saying, like, you know, for all the Jokic haters, Jokic was second all-time in career box plus minus, third all-time in career um, playoff box plus minus, even though, like, he's not won championships and he's putting up those kind of numbers. It's... I think it's interesting to think that maybe, maybe the MVP is starting to be looked at a little more as like, okay, who is putting up the stats? Who's, who's putting up the production for the team, mm -hmm. not just who's the best player on the best team? Yeah, and that's how it should be. 
I mean, it should that's be. how it yeah. should be. Like, I think you you look in how these teams perform when that player's off the court and this and that and how they change a game. when Like, there's so many factors. It's like, but but the thing is to me that just blows my mind when people get just like up in their feels about it is like, it's not like only one person can take the, the award home. So it's not a slight on the guys who didn't win it. Like, no one right. is saying Jokic won it so Embiid sucks and he's the worst. No, it's like, dude, like <laughs> Embiid's freaking good he's probably yeah i mean in the argument for the best center in the league but well it's uh, mb that says all this stuff though he's the one that comes out saying oh i don't know what i have to do to win it you're, you're doing everything you need to do it's just that there's always going to be a race there's always going to be people in the conversation and uh, yeah i, I, I don't know i'm i'm curious if if it has some sort of change as far as how it's being looked at in the future only time will tell we'll see do you want to throw in a love here or should i just go ahead with my second because i got at least one more love just go to your quick second, my friend. I know quick, quick I, second, I, I have man. a feeling I know what it is, but go to it. Quick second, man. Send uh, sending some love to my defensive player of the year, Drew Holiday. Uh, <laughs> this is well in the past already because, again, we took a week off here. But uh, last Wednesday, I want to say or something like that, Milwaukee came back in the last second to beat Boston. Drew Holiday became the first player in the last 25 postseasons to get a block and a steal in the final 10 seconds of a fourth quarter against both plays against the actual you know the defensive player of the year marcus smart uh oh my god Keep absolutely close he, he deserved it too <laughs> he he oh look he we, we had this whole thing already we talked about the comp beating in the conversation but drew holiday man for the idea of the first guard since gary payton to get the defensive player of the year award it should have been drew holiday and he as i said last made it known drew holiday if you're again if you're giving out best defensive player and you're giving it to a guard it should have gone to drew holiday who has yeah. been arguably the best defensive guard of his generation and multiple players have said is the toughest guy to guard by the way uh russell westbrook won the mvp in 2016-17 and the thunder finished in sixth place when he won the mvp oh really just just so you know yep oh so so no okay but so i I thought you were talking about the guard for not defensive player of the year thing over team for first guards and payton but he won the MVP as a sixth place finishing team. I did just not going, yeah, going back to your, fir- no, your first call. love. Good he call. did, he did win. So, and again, I, that's how so MVP. What happens? Sh- it's just that's not, how MVP should be. That's why, like in college sports, like I hate, I hate the Heisman. The Heisman more yeah, often than not now yeah. just goes to the best quarterback, quarterback on the best yeah. team. Like it's, 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 it's a weird award. Um, yeah. Anyway, quick, my love is going to go yeah. off the basketball court. It's going to be really, really quick. I'm surprised you didn't say it because I thought you were going to. But kudos to. The United States women's national team finally getting equal pay yes, uh, sir. because they more they more than deserved it. And if anything, screw equal pay. Just tip the scales how they should be. And the United States women's national team should be getting paid more money than the men's national team because the men's <laughs> national team is <laughs> garbage successful. compared to the women's <laughs> national team. So, but it's cool to see that all that hard work paid off. And I know people, oh, women's sports and money, they have to generate income. That's why the WNBA doesn't make. Yeah, well, guess what? The United States women's national team is the best soccer club in the entire fucking world when it comes to national women's sports. Like, they deserve to get paid. They fill stadiums to the freaking rafter, not rafters because they're all outdoors, but they fill it to the freaking top, top row. People still rafters up there. Yeah. Yeah, People boiling out the top. Like, you get what I'm saying. It's (laughs) cool. Yeah, there you go. The brim. (laughs) That's the word I wanted. But you get what I'm saying. Like, they they definitely uh, deserved their fair shake of the pie there because i mean especially for us i think our generation growing up like i have no memories of the 
men's national team, but I had freaking Brandy Chastain and Mia yeah, Hamm. And go. like, yeah. I have those memories of watching the World Cup. Like the women's national team is an absolute force and they deserved it. Let's just make this efficient. Combine your love here with my hug for the week. It was going to go to the U.S. Soccer Federation for making the uh, for finally making this kind of the first real. Uh, I think it was sports governing body to reach this milestone of saying no. We're going to pay both sides equally. Let's be clear. This does not filter down yet to Major League Soccer. Uh, this is only about the Olympic or yeah the the, the national teams. Let's say not the Olympic teams, but the national teams. Um, but it, it's it's huge, man. It's a very big step in the right direction. Actually, and here, friend of the show, Ann Peterson. We had her on Trailcasters way back in the day. Shout out to Brandon Goldner, co-host back then. She wrote up an article about this for AP News, uh, for the Associated Press, and really good piece just kind of highlighting exactly what this does entail. The the biggest thing here, Chris, uh, is that it's a step in the right direction. And like you mentioned, this was driven by the success of the women's national team. Yep. What could then come next? You start looking at, again, women's basketball, as far as the, the national team, has also had a lot of success. So one could see maybe some foreshadowing that the, the next conversation we're having uh, on the timeline would be about women or about men and women's basketball, kind of evening up that pay. My hug is going to Patrick Beverly because he's going to need <laughs> some emotional support oh. after... After he thought slandering Chris Paul on national TV was a good idea, and then multiple players have come out and just buried him. First off, da- first off, da- uh, Damian Lillard burned him on social, which was great because someone posted his stats in the playoffs and like his stats are pretty good. Not gonna lie, and Dame was like, "That's because nobody's guarding that man." I was like, "Oh, burn!" But then, but then. Uh, there was another one someone tweeted about, uh, like, quote tweeted it about how role players are acting like they're superstars. And Kevin Durant commented on it like, yeah, it's wild. So he's burning him. And then Danny Green was on a podcast just roasting. I the saw sh- Danny Green with Patrick Draymond. Beverly. So yeah. these guys, I love it because for that, I, I don't like what Pat Bev did. I get everyone needs a villain and this and that. But like, dude, you're still an active player, and this has nothing to do with anything except the fact that you are just salty with Chris Paul and yeah. always have been. And they then, have so a relationship. Go, yeah, so you go on a national show like you're supposed to be some smart pundit, and like you just roast the guy for no reason. And I'm sorry, like Chris Paul's worst year is better than Patrick Beverly could hope to be his best. <laughs> so yeah, that's absolutely crazy to me. And so I'm going to give him a hug because I, I like Pat Bev. I've said a lot of teams need that type of player, that pest, right? That guy who just kind of gets under your skin and he's doing it now, even in the off season. He's just, dude, he's, he lives that life. It's not a character. I do like that, but he just needs a hug because yeah. the NBA players are just coming out of Bevy and it's kind of oh. funny. Pat, Pat, Patrick Beverly, man, he, if, if you don't know, go and, go and Google Pat Bev's background in history. He's got, an, uh, he's got an interesting story. He's, I'm not always a fan of Pat Bev's game, but you, but you respect it. However, the way he's been going on uh, on TV, I think mostly on first take, right? And on Get yeah. Up and some of the other things. I like having foreign players on there. I love what we've heard from JJ Redick. We've talked about that recently. Not a huge fan of Kendrick Perkins. Richard Jefferson, take it or leave it. I think Pat Bev would be a great one to have some of these some of this insight from someone who could have some really cool stories someone who as a defensive player he's gonna have some different things to say about the game than someone who's just about buckets the whole time but yeah man i i felt like he it was a little bit of just trying too hard he's going on to first take and wanting to 
make sure that he contradicted uh, everything that Stephen A. said. He he's just trying to trying to go on there and, and just trying to like hit home runs every time instead of just being part of the conversation. But following that Skip Bayless for yeah, <laughs> he'll he'll get there. I, I want to hear more from him. But yeah, watching some of the stuff with him on there and then seeing some of the the uh, people like kind of firing back at him. Uh, yeah, it, it's you feel for him a little bit. All right, my hate mail for the week is going to a familiar uh, familiar destination. It's going to Kyrie Irving, but it's not from me. It's not from me. Nike is sending the hate mail to Kyrie this week. Uh, it was announced, or not rumored, but it was kind of uh, kind of been put out in public today that Nike is considering, if not have already decided, to no longer carry Kyrie as a brand sponsor after this this next round or this next season or whatever you want to say. Um, this is a big deal because the, the, the Kyrie, Kyrie shoe is probably one of the, I don't know, maybe top five sellers as far as basketball shoes. It's, it's, a, it's a good immensely one. popular, a uh, very popular shoe behind like Jordans and Kobe's. And like, it's a top end basketball shoe. Some quick Google research tells us that the Kyrie 7s and the Kyrie 8s are Nike's seventh and eighth best-selling shoes. But Nike has made the decision that they don't think Kyrie is doing enough to rep their brand. And again, we don't need to get into all this. We've talked about it playing on the podcast before. We can discuss it more at another time in the future. But he's made decisions uh, around the vaccine, around uh, his availability, his choices of whether to play or not. And yeah, it's you know it's kind of fair play for, for Nike to be like, you know what, we want a rep who's going to rep us, I guess. Yeah, I feel it. I I, I I don't necessarily agree if they're if they're just strictly doing it on a because of a vaccine stance. We've, we've you and I have talked about that right, before. Right. Um, in in general, how I feel about people losing their job for that. But I will say this: if if a player is injured, that's one thing, right? I'm injured. I can't be on the court right. now. But there's still ways to fill out your obligations or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't lose. But contract if you have a very but but if you have a fully healthy player who has made decisions to not get on the court. And that means that's X amount of games that that shoe isn't on the court right. and that shoe isn't in in everyone's living room. And sure, other players wear Kyrie shoes, just like other players wear uh, Damian Lillard shoes, but they have the most impact when they're on Damian Lillard's feet yeah. and when they're on Kyrie Irving's feet. So, I mean, I get it because if I'm going to I want that shoe and I want that player out there balling out in them. So um, and then obviously Nike is is aligned with certain athletes and i think they they as a brand kind of want to keep that up so uh it's interesting i i mean teach their own i guess i would never bought a Kyrie shoe <laughs> i personally i personally like dame's basketball yeah, shoes I'm... and and i'm a nike guy I, I i cheated on nike to go grab some adidas <laughs> to get those dame sixes so hey t whatever all right my turn though my hate mail is going to it's gonna be again highly controversial today and just like everything else, my love, my hugs, my hate mail. Well, my love wasn't, but uh, my, my hug is all tongue in cheek here. So is my hate mail. But it's going to Joe Cronin. What an absolute garbage job he did on lottery night to not get the Blazers a top four pick. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable to me that Joe Cronin would let that happen, that he would trade CJ and not even get a top four pick out of, out of everything that he did. And they only have one pick, not two. And Joe Cronin is just awful, awful, it's awful. It's all his fault. I'm just pissed off. Pissed off that he sucks so bad. Double burst to Joe Cronin. How dare he? How dare he? No, guys, that's that is obviously a lie because it's not Joe Cronin's fault that they didn't get a top four pick. It's not. It's not. My hate mail 
does it necessarily go to Joe Cronin? That was a joke. But it does go to just NBA Twitter. Y'all get crazy, man. Get like like the house is on fire. The getting bro. the seventh pick is not like the worst thing in the absolute world. Like it's like people who are upset that Portland got the seventh and not a top four. Uh, it's like going into Seven Eleven, buying a Powerball ticket, and being pissed off that it didn't hit. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You were you 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 were playing. You were gambling, and you had a chance to come out really big, but but the odds were against you in that chance. Like like you still have a top ten pick, which t- holds a ton a ton of value, absolute ton of value. And it's just really funny too because pe- you watch social media, right, Keith, and then you're, you get the whole like. Oh, it's there's not even any good players. I think we should trade it for uh, Jeremy Grant or Julius Randle or this or that. Okay, well if you if you think there's no value in the players at it in that selection area, what makes you think Team X thinks there's value in <laughs> yeah. that? Like, no, there is value in the seventh pick. There are still very very good players that could be available, and we will dive into that a little bit later on this podcast. But there are there's good players in the top half of this draft. Well, top half of the first round. I think it does take a pretty deep dive after that, after about the mid-teens. But there's players available that can make impacts, that can be starters in this league, that can help a lot of teams out. And so you have, as a Portland, you're not in a bad spot because you can either use it and you're going to get a good player or you're going to be able to trade that because there's going to be tons of teams who see value in getting into the top 10 or adding a second pick or whatever they need to do. It is not all doom and gloom. The doom and gloom is when the dust settles and Portland doesn't do anything or you pulls a head scratcher on draft night and drafts, you know, Oh, it's Zach, Zach Collins again. What? Like, what are we doing here? Like (laughs) that's when it's doom and gloom. But right now they're still in a very, very good spot. Don't hate it. Just relax. Anyway, that was my ill-prepared love hugs and hate mail, Keith. Because if you can't tell, if Keith uh, worked his editing magic and cut out some of the coughs, I'm still battling this bad boy. You're all but good, I'm man. But I'm here, and uh, and and but we did it. You're working. Love hug, hugs and hate mail. We're glorious. We're making it work. It's good to be back. After this week's draft lottery, we were joined by Pro Insights basketball information specialist and longtime friend of the show, Michael Weisenberg. He gave us his breakdown on draft prospects that will be available around the Blazers' number seven pick, what the Blazers could, would, and should do with that pick, and much more. All of that coming up right after this musical break. All right, back with us again for, I don't know how many times you've actually been on the show now. I'm going to throw out a number and say you, this is your fifth time on Trailcasters over the last five years. It's, it's, it's probably more than that, because that would be once for each draft, and I've had you at least on a couple times more than that. So I'm going to go, this is like your seventh visit. How about that? You're, just, you're back for his seventh time on Trailcasters, unless you can tell me differently. Uh, <laughs> formerly of NBADraft.net, formerly of... The uh, the the pizza shop that he and I met at, talking about Myers Leonard after uh, after a Blazers talk, and now working for Pro Insight. The man, give me his title again. He is the basketball information specialist at Pro Insight. Michael Weisenberg, welcome back to the show, buddy. How you doing? Doing very well, Keith. Thank you, <laughs> and Chris. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, and uh, yeah, that is uh, my title. That's how we met. We met at a blazer talk event yep and uh we bonded over our 
total <laughs> trash talk on Myers Leonard. Uh, Myers Leonard's value on the open market. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was great. It was great. I think uh, I think you maybe asked a question or something like that, and you got an answer. And I asked like a follow up that had us kind of turn looking at each other and, and sharing a laugh. And it was like, hey, you want to go grab a bite after this and go go talk some more? Like, yeah, man, let's go. We probably stayed up till I don't know, like we were downtown Portland until eleven or so that night. It was it was good good stuff. The romance began uh, many years ago. Yeah. And, and now we're here today. Again, you, you've moved from NBA draft. You're over at Pro Insight. Congratulations, sir. I hope it's going wonderfully. Basketball information specialist. That is, that is a, that's a title. That's a, a like you, you've, got, you've got gravitas with that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly something. <laughs> no, I, 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 I love what we do at Pro Insight. I, I've been with them for uh, a few years now. And, um, oh, it's a few years? Am I that far behind? Like, it's been a few oh, no, years? No, no. My bad. <laughs> Dude, it's time flies in the pandemic. Yeah, it really does. Uh, but yeah, so we were Pro Insight was started by um, Matt McKay Jr., who used to work for the Portland Trailblazers, there you go. The Charlotte Hornets, and um, yeah, we we have some fantastic people there. We um, do a lot of grassroots and high school stuff, um, trying to get guys um, placed into college. But we're all just basketball junkies and. Um, we are involved with pro teams as well, and uh, we're definitely ramping up for the NBA draft. Like uh, that's what we're focused on right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's what a lot of us have been focused on. It's going to be the focus of this conversation in a minute, but we do have some other things to get through uh, here real quick because, like we've said already, we skipped last week's episodes. So we have some headlines just to fire through. Mikey, I want your opinion on some of these things. Some headlines for the Blazers in the last week or so. Joe Cronin officially announced as the GM, no longer the interim GM. The Blazers' eleventh full full time GM. How do you feel, sir? How how? And, and you know, we can hear from Chris too if he's uh if he's not too sick, if he's feeling up to it. At this you point. better hear from me. Yo yo, don't bring guests <laughs> on and then shut me up. Make me sit in the corner with my pretty little face on cam. Come on now. I mean, I just I mostly I like know pizza your opinion too. on these I just things. wasn't there with you guys. Let me I, in the group. In terms of Joe, like, I think that we knew this was coming, right? Like, yeah, yeah. As soon as he had the interim label, it seemed like it was going to be for the long run. Like, he's been here quite a while. Um, I think they're at least giving him a chance. Um, like, is there anybody that you guys would have, like, gone out and got otherwise? Like, I don't know. Right. Like, yeah. No, I know I know there was, there was apprehension. Uh, within the fan base, Keith included, but I think the only one that made sense to at least give a call and try to get in was Danny Ainge, but that didn't line up. I mean, that's just because of the history and and being a, a Oregon guy. But no, I mean Cronin, Cronin just make it just made sense from the jump. Like it was more scratching your head as to why it took so long to take the interim title off. Honestly, yeah, I, I well, yeah, I agree with that. And then um, yeah, I. I We'll see how it goes. Like, I think uh, these next couple years are going to be really important for him. Like, you know, I, oh, yeah. I don't know how long the leash is going to be. Even next couple months, man. Like, not knowing what's going to change as far as the ownership in the future. And yeah. I, I, I obviously, like, it, there's been a lot of judging Cronin already as far as uh, the the CJ trade not getting the pick worked out. We had some jokes in our in our opening segment today about <laughs> about Joe Cronin and, and oh what a horrible GM that he didn't get that draft pick and now oh we only got the seventh uh, seventh uh, pick for the lottery oh what a horrible GM job that is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, part he couldn't help but like yeah <laughs> losing the Pelicans pick like that was, that was tough. 
Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it, it seemed like the right move at the time is all I'm going to say. We, we can go back and rehash that maybe another time too. We, I, <laughs> I see that scrunch of, okay, yeah, we, we'll get into that at another point. Um, <laughs> let, let's, let's move forward though because we, I want to save time for the draft. we got a little over an hour here and I want to save most of it for the draft talk. Uh, Nasir Little though. He, the team announced that Nasir had successful surgery, and I thought I had more notes on this, and so then my notes are gone. Wait, was this was this shoulder? Uh, I can't remember exactly. Do you guys know the details? Off no, this was abdominal surgery that was on top of his shoulder surgery. On top of the it was, shoulder, it was, right? Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, like, like I like I put in our Discord. I was like, at some point, it's like you know get 10 surgeries and your 11th one's free with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the big deal about this is that it's not supposed to change his return time from this, mm -hmm. from the previous shoulder injury. This, this is not something that's going to influence him coming back and being ready for next season. So hooray that any, any words on Nas or, or should we just move straight ahead? Mikey? I, I, I think I'm just glad that he had a successful surgery. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, and if he's coming into camp on time, like I really liked what Nas uh, brought last year. I, I was, you know, I, I thought he had really developed and uh, become a, a pretty nice rotation player. Um, so, yeah, like it's better to have him than not so. Do you see him as a starter next season or do you see him as more of that bench role player, rotation player? I probably more as of a rotation guy because like, I, I for think ne for next season, like, yeah, yeah. For next you would think it would be Dame, um, Simons, and Josh Hart. Like, I, I think kind of like almost like the Dame, uh, CJ, Norman Powell. Uh, it's not, yeah. Almost too much it's like that. It's not bad, though. Well, Josh Hart can play small forward. He's not Norm Powell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jo Josh Hart is not It's not the same three-guard lineup I know. No, no, no. Uh, well, and, uh, and Josh, I would say Josh Hart and, like, Norman Powell, like, size-wise are pretty similar. But um, yeah, like you know, it's uh, what the alternatives aren't necessarily like looking that rosy, you know. Fair, that's a fair point. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes for him. Uh, it, the the big deal again, successful surgery for Nas, and this should not get in the in the way of his return time for us next season. Next topic before again we get into the the big topic of the day, which would be the draft lottery that just happened on Tuesday. Before Tuesday, though, we had. I guess one of uh, maybe the first official trade rumor of the off season. We've had lots of trade rumors going on already during the during the year, but uh, we oh, had talk. Always <laughs> one. There's always something, man. There's always, and this would be about uh, the Bulls, Chicago Chicago Bulls, Zach Levine. Uh, let's let's say first right up front, Levine is uh, in a position where his agent may be trying to get him, maybe maybe trying to get some leverage to make sure that he gets the contract they want him to get. Let's just put that out there up front. That being said, it has been rumored that maybe if Zach Levine was not going to stay with Chicago Bulls, that he would be looking at Portland as one of his targets, or maybe that Portland, one of the teams that was looking at Levine as a target. Either way, I, obviously you can probably tell none of us are putting a lot of faith in this rumor. It seems more like anything else. It's, it's it seems more like agent leverage than anything else. But so Portland, like I, I, I like Portland have to renounce their rights to everyone to offer him a max deal, and that's cool because if he turns around and doesn't accept it, now you're you're screwed. You're like, okay, well now I don't I, I renounce rights, so I don't have Nurk's bird rights anymore, and I don't have this. I don't. Yeah, you're in trouble. I mean, you could do it, but you're going to be in trouble. I'm pretty sure at this point in my life and having grown up in Portland and, and watched this team for so long and watched the rumors fly, I'm pretty sure that um, 
in most general manager offices, Portland is written in permanent marker on the whiteboard <laughs> because it's like any time a player might become available or is going to hit. It's like, oh, Portland could be a destination. Oh, James Harden wants out of Houston. Portland could be a destination. Ooh. Zach Levine's no. going to be a free agent. Portland could be a de- Portland could be a destination. Damian Lillard really likes Draymond Green. Portland could be a destination. <laughs> DeAndre Eaton is having a fallout with the Phoenix Suns. Portland, Portland could be a destination. And they've got like none of them. So it's just, it's just I, I'm pretty sure it's just written in permanent marker in the rumor mills. Oh, Portland. It's just it's, it just flows in whatever sentence we're writing. Listen, <laughs> like, listen. You're, that's just because you're 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 cherry picking here. You're cutting out all the other uh, Al Farouk Aminu really wanted to go and play for his former GM, Neil O'Shea. Portland was the destination. <laughs> exactly. uh, Robin, Robin like, Lopez really needed somewhere to, to kind of recoup his, uh, I think it was an ankle at the time, uh, and, and play, play a back and roll. Hey, Portland could be a destination. Those ones worked out just fine for us, Chris. So I feel like you're really uh, being a little biased here. No. The emphasis is on fine there. <laughs> not great they were fine but again getting back to this if the idea again it's Spot not a trade on. rumor it's the idea that the agent for levine is trying to get leverage over the bulls by saying hey he could leave in free agency and go to portland even then though the idea like you pointed out mikey would be we would need to relinquish free agents like anthony simons like yusuf nurkic probably letting go of some other pieces as well maybe giving up who knows what other assets or capital it doesn't make sense it's not happening it's not real all right. Uh, sweet if it did, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's hit on that real quick. Would, would Zach Levine really make a difference if, if you plugged Zach Levine in for Anthony Simons here in Portland? Like, let's say it was just that. If you only had to renounce Anthony Simons as a free agent, uh, not worry about his contract, you could pull Zach Levine instead. Um, does that change a lot for the Blazers? He's not a defensive player. He's gonna play, if he's going to play guard, yeah, he's explosive. Yeah, he's a more established player than Penny is, obviously. But it's not, I mean, is he changing the game for Portland any more than, you know, Jeremy Grant or, or uh, some of these other off-season targets we've talked about? We're, we're, we're talking about a guy that it might be good in Anthony Simons that we're still, I mean, he had a very good year this year, but we still are, Portland fan is sold on him. But what I'm trying to say is like, we just right. don't know yeah, where that ceiling is yet. Versus Zach Lafine, who is coming off back-to-back all-star appearances. That's, these, they're in completely different levels right now. So and then throw in Jeremy Grant there too. Like while you know Jeremy Grant would be a step up over uh, like a Simons as well in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. Like Zach Levine has become like this amazing like you know creator, um, crazy like long distance threat, and then he has that athleticism. Like and I, I think uh, like more of the the size you're looking for when uh, you're looking at like a a, a shooting guard, whereas Everybody sees mm. uh, Simon's being more of that, like, you know, kind of combo kind of guy. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. Okay. Okay. So, so after all the jokes we're making about it not being a realistic option, because uh, it just, we, we, Portland would have to give up too much to kind of clear the decks for him. Uh, and then you don't have much, you don't have enough of a team around he and Dame to make it work. What you are saying, though, is if all it really costs us was trading out, if, if we could swap out he and Simon's, that does improve the team. I'm hearing that unanimously oh, I, I, I would absolutely Just those two but then like yeah, yeah. but it won't be <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough okay uh moving forward so final topic here before we get into the draft so much for a rematch uh chris you and i on our previous episode maybe even last episode two weeks ago we talked about how the bucks and the suns uh or i think maybe you chose Celtics. I chose, I, I chose Boston. I chose, chose Boston, Boston to get out. So of you the said East. Boston, Phoenix. I, w- I had said Bucks from the beginning of the season for the East, and I've been going Suns because they're my other home team in the West. 
Both Bucks and Suns lose uh, Game 7s. The first Game 7s we had in the playoffs this year. Man, they were exciting Game 7s. We, we can say that at least. But again, there goes my uh, finals and champ predictions. I thought it would be those two uh, meeting up in the, in the NBA Finals this year. And they are both out before the Conference Finals. First time since 2011 that neither of the former Conference champs is going to be represented in the Conference Finals this year. Uh, with Bucks and Suns both going out. We had one of our listeners on Discord, JP Mack, asking if we're going to talk about the Suns' quote, failure in this playoff series. So I was just calling it a Suns collapse, but he says failure in the playoff series, and I guess we're going to talk about it. Uh, real, real quick before we get to you, Mikey, Monty Williams, coach for Suns, called this the worst game of the season for them. It was the indeed the largest deficit of the season for Phoenix. Dallas said by 30 at half, uh, led by as much as 46 at some point in the game, uh, and the largest halftime deficit in a game seven. I, I, I've got no date on that, so maybe ever? Lar largest halftime? It was, a, it was a big one. It, it was one of the largest game seven losses in NBA history. The largest, I think, was 40, and uh, they got to 33. Like, in that game. <laughs> they didn't even score. The Suns didn't even score 30 points and a half. And Boston. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Luka Doncic, yeah, Luka Doncic tied them in scoring at the half with twenty. At the half, yeah. Crazy. Oh, and, and I, I heard a, a cool statistic um, on uh, actually game theory with Sam Vecini. Um, Luka Doncic in elimination games was averaging thirty nine points per game. And so his scoring average in that game actually went down. Was below his average? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, so, yeah, just, just again, to clear that, Luca ended the game with 37, right? Uh, or th was it 35? Yeah, and he'd been averaging 39 in, elim in elimination games. For last year, he went for 46. And that oh, that's crazy, man. And, and again, so Luca ends with 35. The Suns starters had 37 points total across the game. And like you mentioned, Mikey, Luca had 27 in the first half. That was the entirety of what the Suns had in the first half. Not the first quarter, first half. And is, also the Suns, the Suns starters scored five, four, three, two, one points. Oh no. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That is nuts. Yeah. Uh, okay, so ripple effects here. What does this mean? Is Phoenix going to blow it up? Does this mean DeAndre Ayton is going to be available? Are there other players, Mikhail Bridges or other players that we should be looking at as possibly maybe more available? Um, Chris, again, just one other aspect. Chris Paul turned 37 during the playoffs this year. Um, does that, again, is that one more, like one more uh, factor where do you expect the Suns to come back with something very different next year? Like Chris Paul still has two more years on his deal. Mikael Bridges actually signed an extension and he's not going anywhere. Um, DeAndre Ayton was the one who, you know, like was wanted the max and Phoenix was kind of playing around with that. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what the Suns do as far as that's concerned. Um, I, I think there are certainly like some options out there. Like I think Ayton's going to get the max one way or the other. And then it's up to will Phoenix match or will they try and possibly sign and trade? Um, I don't like they don't have a lot of options there. And yeah. the thing with DeAndre Hayden is like it, he's he's basically I I refer to him as a drop big that moves like pretty well in space. But he's not a guy that you know you you want necessarily like a small ball lineup. 
And he was the guy that I think in this series you were really hoping would kind of punish Dallas, who had really nobody that could guard him. Um, now, I, I, I don't know if it was just like a chemistry thing. I think Chris Paul, like, was... I know people are kind of ripping on him for being for saying that he was hurt and everything. Like, like he was not himself. Yeah, so, something happened, yeah. But the problem with Chris Paul in the last, like, four or five playoff runs that he's had, he's never been himself at the end of the year. <laughs> All thanks to Gerald Henderson's Buns of Steel, baby. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's like the second time you've referenced Gerald Henderson's Buns of Steel in, like, the last Anytime month. Anytime I, I can like... reference the fact that his ass <laughs> broke Chris Paul's hand, I'm going to get it in. Uh, with Chris Paul, like... I don't, you can't really do anything with Chris Paul. You can't really do anything with Devin Booker. Those two guys were good enough for them to win the NBA by eight games this year. Um, and like, I don't think you can get rid of Aiden. The one factor I would say in that getting rid of Aiden or like Aiden signing somewhere else and them like trying to do the signing trade is Robert Sarver. Notoriously been a guy not willing to pay luxury tax or not willing to go and get those extra things like those years when they actually were in contention and he was trading first round picks like they were candy. Um, And like those were guys that could potentially have helped their team. Um, So yeah, is that a possibility to happen again? Like I I could see it. Um, But yeah, I think you, you sign, if they were trying to, you know, run it back or do, you know, the, I think like what is the right thing as far as keeping them in contention, they would re-sign DeAndre Aiden and then they would just try and do whatever they could with, they have some expiring contracts um, and then try and do what the Warriors did. Like, you know, sign some of those minimum guys and see if you can get a, a really good bargain there. So you, you see them building around uh, Booker, Chris Paul, Mikhail and, and or Mikhail Bridges and Aiden like you see yeah, that like, can be the like yeah, one factor before the whole Chris Paul thing is like they looked like they were on the um right kind of track anyway before they even got Chris Paul like I yeah. know small sample size but like the Suns in the bubble they were like the team of the bubble during the you know yeah. regular season yeah. Um, so yeah like you know there are certainly some positives there. A lot of that had to do with the fact that they were getting these huge playoff contributions from guys who were still in their rookie contracts, and that's not there anymore. That's what you need, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it's like makes a world of difference. Like, the, the contract situations, what usually makes, like, these championship teams. And I, I think that's probably where the Blazers have uh, not necessarily been in the, the best way. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what we've lacked. Yeah. I mean, just to double down, I think it's definitely in phoenix's best interest to keep him at all costs i mean you're not going to find a replacement for him and secondly i mean once that contract is done with chris paul if he's still got any tread on the tire if he and he's coming back you're probably going to get him back on the cheap obviously he's not going to get 40 mil when he's 40 but the point is like you have to look i mean life without chris paul and still building around booker and ayton is the way to go um Secondly, obviously, as soon as there was a little bit of rockiness there, you obviously get Blazer fan and every fan base, right? Oh, DeAndre Ayton, is he going to be available? Should Portland go out and get him? Can they, can, you know, him next to, to Damian Lillard would be great and blah, blah, blah. I think 
when you look at production relative to cost, I would, especially next to Dame and how you have to build out this roster, give me Yusuf Nurkic on what is likely going to be another $12 million contract Mm. over Aiton on a $30 million contract and then no more money to fill out your two biggest holes, which is still small forward and power forward. So if I'm Portland, I go, yeah, Aiton's really good, but you're looking at a a, a guy who's, who's, who's marginally better offensively than Yusuf Nurkic, probably better defensively, but you're looking at a gap of, of, of $18 million between the two. Like, no, give me the, the cost effectiveness of Yusuf Nurkic allows you that roster flexibility to decide what you're going to do with that seventh pick, which we'll talk to about in a second, unless Keith says one more question. Um, but what, <laughs> what, what you're going to do with that seventh pick and how you're going to approach free agency and how you're going to approach the offseason when it comes to trades and this and that. Like, you have so much more flexibility in just keeping Nurk than going out and getting Aiden. And it would just make no sense to me either. Like, we have all, we, we, we've, we have money, we're going to do this, we're just going to go get another center and again still leave the two biggest glaring holes wide open so you know hopefully he goes back to phoenix so portland doesn't get stuck in that situation the thing with nurk is like he never stays healthy either like and like granted like he's a deal but like nurk really hasn't been there like once the blazers have gone to the playoffs like is that something that you're really going to be willing to like you know kind of bank on again yeah, I mean, but I'm almost wondering if they should move on, but like, I don't think they should. I don't know if this, this, the injury thing is, 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 I mean, yeah, he had the one leg that was catastrophic. No, oh, no, that was terrible, no, but, but then wasn't it like, I, I feel like the year before he had, he had the leg when he came in from Denver outside. I mean, he was playing healthy this year, this whole, oh, he's hurt. So he said he wasn't hurt when he sat out. We all know that, but <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. It's a, it's a fair, it's a fair argument. And if they could free up the cap space and get the moves done and it would, I don't know how they do it. Cause they have a lot of money to spend in the next coming years, but a team that would be a great stylistic fit for Aiden is freaking Hornets, Charlotte, him next to LaMelo ball. That's a, that's a Oof. beautiful, beautiful team with Aiden on it, but they got to remember they have to still pay LaMelo here in the next year or two. So <laughs> yeah, they still have two more years on that deal. So that's yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. Listeners, let us know where you fall on the, uh, you know, basically, the, the what it comes down to is the idea of uh, Nurk at a much cheaper price, so so more kind of efficient with the the money and the flexibility, like Chris pointed out. But at the same time, the 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 best ability is availability, and if he's not playing all the games, that's a factor Very too. Uh, so you know, let, let us know if you prefer Aiden or Nurk on this team. We did have a question. I wasn't going to fit any more in here, Chris, but you know, you <laughs> pointed so out. So Area Fifty's IMAX on Discord had asked a question about exactly this, saying, "Does Aiden fit?" in uh as either an off-season target or in our stable of bigs would you like to see him theoretically i think we've covered that at this point so we are retroactively just kind of squeezing that question in shout out to areas 50 imax area 50s imax i'll get that name right one of these days but now it is time for the segment that we brought you in here for mikey the the pro insight expert analysis from their basketball I forgot the title. Basketball specialist. No. Information specialist. Information yeah. specialist. I was close. I almost had it there. All right. Getting to the draft lotto. First things first. The announcement from Dame Jr. that we were going to have Damian Lillard <laughs> Sr. representing the Blazers. I, I'm bringing this up only because not, I'm not bringing it up because it was cute, although it was. It was very cute. Like little Dame Jr. should be a, a play caller in the future if you can, you can see it already. But the significance, the, the, the symbolic significance to the Blazers here, having Dame represent the team at the lottery it, to, to have your best player represent the team your team at the lottery i don't think is common 
let alone having the best player representing your team in a time when the team is in such flux. There's been such questions around, does Dame want to be here or not? He keeps doubling down, like, of course he wants to be here. And of course, everyone else in the NBA world wants to keep pulling him and saying, oh, just let him out of Portland, let him go win a ring somewhere else. Even weeks ago, uh, Casey and Brooke on on uh, on on their podcast, Casey, hold on, Brooke, Olsen, Dem, were talking about uh, Blaze Balcony. Uh, I couldn't remember the name of their pod for a second. Shout out to them. Hey! Uh, they were talking about who would be the best representation. And Casey kind of brought up, oh, Dane would be great, but he's probably off enjoying the summer, enjoying the family time at this point. He's probably not even in the country. So again, just for Lillard to sign up and, and show up for the draft lottery to represent the team, I think just symbolically it shows unity. It shows we're all going in the same direction. It shows we're on the, on the, on the same boat. Am I wrong? Am I crazy? Are either of you objecting to this? Chris is <laughs> smiling. He's trying to act like... You're doing my favorite fan thing, dude, where you are just, you are reading and you, reading? Are, you are reaching and you are grasping hard. <laughs> like, they needed someone to go. Dame was far. available, so they sent Dame. Like, it's, that's what happened. No. <laughs> like, the symbolicism, bro. The symbology of it. Symbology? Well, this is the first time Dame's, like, <laughs> they've really had anybody go to the lottery in a while, right? Yeah, and not, not even significant. He was just hoping they'd get lucky and he could be, like, you know, one of the guys, like, holding the... Uh... He just wanted to be oh, there yeah. for when they get, like, the top pick. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that was the other side of it, though, too, man. Because, so, getting past the announcement, he, he goes to the lottery. Uh... The the Magic get the number one pick wasn't us. Uh, the Thunder, the Rockets get the the second and third. Kings, Pistons, Pacers, and then Blazers land with the seventh. Real quick, just saying. All, all the fans are talking like we deserve one of the top four. It was expected to get top four. We had again, depending on how you want to flatten out the math, we had a thirty seven percent chance to get a pick in the top four. That's about nine percent chance per one, two, three, or four. The most likely thing, we couldn't get number five. The, we had like a 50% chance to get either seven or eight, even a slightly less than for six. So we ended up, as getting seven, we ended up with literally the most likely outcome. It's not something to be that disappointed in. As far as the math and the numbers go, what we do with that pick, what, what, what value that pick has going forward is maybe a different story. And just tying back to what you said a minute ago, when, when we got the seventh pick, like you said, Dame wanted to be on camera. He wanted to be there getting that top. Uh, would be able to hold up that card for the number one or something like that. When we got seven, you could see Dame. He kind of puts the <laughs> head down, chuckles to himself a little bit, maybe a little bit of a damn it kind of thing. Then they 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 cut to Sabonis from Sacramento, like He's looking over at Dame and kind of chuckling to himself. Because <laughs> yeah, Sabonis knew it meant the Kings were moving up. Hey, good on hey, I just want to say though, good on the Kings for sending Sabonis and showing unity with Sacramento <laughs> and, and no, with no, it's not the same. It's not the same. Do. He's new there. He's not the face. I mean, he may be the face of the franchise, like forced into being it, but he's not been in Sacramento for a decade, Chris. That is not the I'm same thing, saying. Chris. <laughs> you reach the guy. You reach. You know what, man? I, I'm. It is this to to bring in a criticism here. This is not nearly as much reading between the leaves as as you would like to imply. It's a uh, yeah. I make my stuff th up. Okay. There is symbology. There is symbolicism in here somewhere. Uh, I believe in it. But again, let's get past all this. All the symbolism. I know the real word. I was trying to be cheesy. Uh, let's let's get to the actual value here. Again, Mikey, that's what we've got here for, bro. How do you feel about the seventh pick? What does this mean for the Blazers? Let, let's just, let's unload. Let's just, just open up. Uh, give, me, give me your thoughts. So this draft, there are kind of like, there were four guys who were kind of near, like at or near the top. If you had like yeah. one of the top four picks, I think you were pretty stoked. Um, 
I, I, I think if the Blazers would have stuck at, at six or, you know, um, like the six through eight range, like it, it's a lot less certainty. I, I don't think it's going to be something where, you know, they're going to be able to trade it and get a star straight up. Like it's going to be something that would require a package. Um, but yeah, there, there are still like players that are available here that like will undoubtedly like be in somewhat of a position of need and could be like very good options for the Blazers. I think it would just be like, it's going to be something that takes time. Um, like most rookies do. Do you see that rookie playing time with the Blazers or, or, or do you, I mean, like, like again, you're the expert on this, but from my kind of like basic layman's fan terms, there there's three basic options that we're looking at. Like what could this number seven pick become? A future Blazers legend, like a future a future Blazer that develops here, becomes a star here, or role player, whatever. Um, a trade asset for an established player, like someone we're going to use in a move this summer or sometime before the next deadline or whatever, for like a player like Grant or some other established guy like Levine, like we talked about. Or a pick swap, trading the summer seven pick down for maybe more picks or assets or include an asset and trying to trade up. But, but what you're saying, though, you, you think whoever this does become it's it's a long-term project so what does that mean for as far as like how do the blazers well, like, look at not that? even like like define long term like it, it, De development needing needing time yeah it, it'll, it'll take some development but i, I like honestly keith I, and this is where the whole like dame thing lies as well is like you're not going to go from what they were this year right to contending right it's not unless okay, they, I think I... Like, if this pick just like turns out to be, you know, much better than we anticipated. But yeah. even then, like, that, like the top two guys in, in Rookie of the Year voting were both, like, fantastic rookies. Scotty Barnes, like, pretty much had the Raptors, who a, a lot of people felt weren't going to make the playoffs. I guess they ended up getting the fifth seed, but, like, the Cleveland Cavaliers way outplayed um, where people thought they were going to be. And, and those two guys were, like, amazing rookies. Right. So, you know, when you're just looking at, like, you know, the average rookie or, like, somebody usually in this pick range, like, it, it's going to be a, a couple-year thing before they're, they're really, like, probably making a, a huge difference into winning. Yeah. So, so to, to, to your ahead. point, too, about about championship contention, of course, that's, that's what a fan wants. But I think I said this, I think I said this uh, about a month ago now on the pod, that if the Blazers play their, their cards right this offseason – like a successful season, one that fans should be over their skis, like just excited for is like a first round exit in the playoffs to go from as bad as they were this year and to be able to turn it around and be become a playoff caliber team in a year's time is a huge victory. Like they're, they're like, they're playing the long game here too. Like they understand what Dame's window is. And you're, if you're thinking championship with Dame, you're still looking two, three years down the road. So you're going to have to build this bad boy. Now you look at the picks as, and we'll, we'll start to get into them here. But again, like, like you said, Mike, it's it, developing these guys. You look at Nasir Little, like this guy was a was a projected lottery pick who slid into the Blazers' lap, but it still has taken him three plus years to develop. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like Nasir this year was like, this is was really positive. Mm -hmm. So, but that's the point. Like, and everyone loves him, but it, what he wasn't the Nasir Little we know now on the on day one. Now, I think there's some guys that could be available there that are a little more refined than Nasir was coming in. Like Nasir's little shot was busted on day one. The amount of work he's put in and completely changed his shot is 
kudos to him, dude. It looked so much better than it does day one. Um, but again, even a guy as talented as that, it took him three years to get there. Ant is a guy that we're debating whether he deserves a max contract or not in this offseason. And that guy has taken three plus years to develop. So yeah, the, the, the odds of getting that day one guy who comes in, like yeah, Dame did it. But again, Dame was, that team was awful. And he was like, here's the keys. We need someone. Go do it. And you, you bring up the guys like uh, like last year, the Mobleys, the Scotty Barnes. Like, they made their teams achieve more than they ever thought. But again, you're looking at top four picks, just like this year. The top four picks are going to make be difference makers who are going to be thrown into the fire and just start day one. So yeah, uh, yeah. don't don't be upset when they, get, they draft the guy who averages six points all year and plays 15 minutes. That's not a failure. <laughs> it's just get... I, just, I think that would be a huge success, actually. Yeah, so... Anyway. If, if he's a rotation guy and you're like, oh, I like watching this guy on the basketball court in his first year, like, and you're like, oh, I can see what's happening here. Like, that's a really good thing. Like, you know, the the really funny thing to me is um, like a, a guy like Jordan Poole, who like is, so his first year, he looked really bad. Like he had a terrible mm -hmm. first year. I think his second year even, like, you know, it was like a little shaky and then started to see some positives. And then he comes back this year and he's like fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like it, it's usually one of those processes where like near the end of that rookie contract is, is when you're going to really yep. see results. Absolutely. Um, and again, why like the Suns, like the fact that they had um, Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton contributing to a finals team in their third year like that's really rare so to me though that that really highlights kind of what i was starting to get at before in that if if this is not a player we're expecting to produce immediately if it's going to take them several years and the team has been pretty clear and again like i'm bringing up the symbology of damian lillard representing the team of the playoffs if we're going to continue to build a roster around dame that is meant to contend i'm not looking for a player who's not going to be good for another three years I, I see that guy as much more of a trade asset. Well, even if we're not talking pick swaps, like you said, that's not not something the Blazers have been great at in the past necessarily. Uh, it just seems to me like I'm I'm having a hard time investing, even in who the player is going to be that we take the pick, because I don't see them as a future Blazer. I see it as more of someone that we're going to move for a future Blazer. Uh, is, is that totally out of left field? Are you on totally the opposite side of the the spectrum there, or is, is that? I mean, that's not unrealistic, right? Like Keith, I and this is what we were. The last time I saw you, we were talking about this too. Hey, man, <laughs> I don't see this happening. I'm like, I, here. I, it's just like it's whoever you're going to get for this trade, like this hypothetical trade. Like, I don't see it really working out, man. That you're like you get that much better. To the point of where this is worth it. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying we're not going to get one or two moves and make it immediately better. I think that if the team is building around Dame, we're still making this a two to three to four year plan. So sure, the seventh pick, if he's going to be good in three years, maybe that could time out perfectly. Maybe the seventh pick this year is our power forward, our starting power forward three years from now, and that's exactly what we needed. So that 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 could be the option if you think if you think that's what they're looking for. If you think that's what they're trying to do is pick a player now that will develop for three years, and then in three years we're looking to contend. I can I can listen to that and I can get behind that. I just don't see it that way. I, I I feel like the team is looking to make moves faster than that. I'm not saying the I'm not saying the I'm not saying they're going to use this seventh pick to pick our starting power forward for our finals run. 
But I think, you know, if they use the seventh pick to somehow work into a package for Jeremy Grant, and then in a year from now, Jeremy Grant becomes a better wing that we are then using to make the finals run, that seems like the path they're more likely going on. And you're not buying that. No. You're not in on that one. I, I think Jeremy Grant is like an absolute complimentary piece. And like, and, and who, like, so it, in, it wouldn't be the seventh pick. It would be the seventh pick and something else. Right. For, for Jeremy Grant. And then, then he, again, like the, oh, yeah. and then Jeremy Grant and something else for the actual wing that we'd be hoping to contend with in the future. For sure. Yeah. 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 I, and like, you, you have to look at it, like, if we're using this as a trade asset, like, who wants this and what are they willing to give up? What's what's your insight on that? Like, what, like give, give me an idea as someone who doesn't know as much. Like, what what teams? You mentioned Charlotte before. Uh, like, like, what teams are out there that would want? Like, who's going young right now? Who who'd be going young that might be want a, a power forward as, as that would be at the seventh pick value? Is there anything? That that's the thing with with this draft. And what I was saying is, like, you have this big group of guys. I I have a list of guys who are a possibility at seventh pick. Why trade up to the seventh pick if you could possibly not have right. that asset and, and could still get your guy? If you could get similar value guy at the 15th pick, why would you move up? That's <laughs> your point. Exactly. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking more in the lottery, but yeah. No, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even right at that pick that we wish we had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And no, it's, it's, you're right. What's up, Chris? No, I was just saying, Moving on, <laughs> Keith likes to labor here. Hey, I'll dive deep, man. Like, I just, like, I just, like, I just like picking on you. It's, it's my point. I think. We, well, let's talk about. He, he keeps referring to the list, so let's let him talk about his list. Okay, because let's hear it. I, I agree with what he's saying here. Then hopefully he he likes guys that I like. Because if he doesn't like guys I like, he's out. He's out of here. We're never having him back on. <laughs> are, are you having a new co-host this time next year? No, but like 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 a a guy that I've been mentioning long before. Um, the lottery or any of that, that that I just like as a stylistic fit for Portland and would be available at, at seven is uh, Benedict Mathurin. But he's a guy that when you start looking at like Mox, he's going as high as sixth. He's going as low as like 13th, 14th, which is to your point. You're in a, you're this group of eight players that are that that are going to be available at six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And when you talk about the value in the pick, not like not only is there is there not a ton of trade value by itself i still think it's a it's a valuable asset but it's a, it's an atta an attachable asset whether because attaching asset. attaching that go. to a to an ant and the, you know these whatever you're doing um, yeah but the thing and is after about that eight players once you hit you know 15 I, there is a at least to me there a a drastic drop off in talent in this draft and then you're like now you're screwed so like that's where there is value in that pick because people are oh portland trade out and for two picks in the teens like i don't think there's a ton of value in two picks in the teens like and then what what so you do the exact same thing that uh that sacramento did with portland in the zach collins deal and yeah everyone bags on portland getting zach collins but zach collins was better than friggin' uh harry giles and justin jackson or right? whatever jackson they got <laughs> yeah like, it worked out so, so portland like technically won that trade <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah, and as much did. as that content and, work for us, we got the better end of it. Necessarily the right <laughs> guy, but yeah, but yeah, but they won that trade. So oh. yeah, I think there's value in that pick. I mean, because there's good players that are going to be available there. I, agree. Um, I just want to hear some of the guys that you're thinking. Yeah, so Ben Matherin was a guy on my list, 
and um, you know, from Arizona, uh, originally from Montreal, Canada. And he um, actually nice. was at the NBA Academy before going to Arizona. Um, the past two years, he's been uh, really like, just really good, like positive shooting numbers at Arizona, a really good slasher. He, I think, improved his ball skills quite a bit this year, though at the same time, that's not necessarily like a strength of his, but he's he's more of that off-ball slashing kind of wing. Um, and then he measured in today at like pretty good size. Like I, I'm not sure if I believe the standing reach of eight eight, but like that's good. Whoa, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because like if he's a small forward, like that's actually like under the typical small forward like um i did a i just did i i have a tweet up about it but like uh i took the measurements of like 15 of the top players at each position and um the average small forward right now would be eight foot nine standing reach but nonetheless like good wing size um and and stuff to build on there like a, a good athlete and um I think definitely a, a guy that like Portland was always looking at like in this particular range, but also somebody that would probably take some time. Like I think I think Benedict Matherin will take time too. Like oh yeah for sure. I need time to like get his I, I think like ball skills and everything up to NBA standards. Um, but AJ Griffin from Duke is somebody who I think is going to be in this range as well. Um, he. His dad actually is uh, an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors. AJ, instead of playing his senior year, he kind of had was dealing with some injuries. He moved to Tampa and just was like rehabbing and working out with his dad um, during that like bubble kind of year when the Raptors weren't allowed to play in Toronto. Um, AJ is also one of the youngest guys in this draft. His shooting like splits and uh just indicators are like off the charts mm. he um shot like in the mid 40s from three and then when when you look at like you know the numbers as far as like him off the catch um and spot up and even like you know shooting off the dribble like everything there is fantastic doesn't get to the basket a lot he's, he's not like the a huge explosive athlete but also like one of those wing size guys who has great measurements. I like he didn't measure today, but I think his wingspan's like in the seven foot range, and like he's bigger than Matherin for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's another guy that who I'd be really interested in with that seven pick. Quick question on Griffin, because uh, I'm just pulling this straight from our Discord. Listeners, if you have not joined our Discord yet, you really <laughs> Must should. Must be a BMAC comment. L link in the episode description. Yes, this is a comment from BMAC. Uh, BMAC is our local Dame trade uh, 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 proponent, as well as our kind of our, our Discord draft expert. So our, our, our Discord version of Mikey, until you come and join the Discord, Mikey, you're always welcome to join us in there. Uh, lots of great conversations. Again, link in the episode description. BMAC, though, uh, he, I think, said he was a fan of Discord. I'm trying to scroll back and find where it was at because we've had some crazy amount of dialogue and discourse over the last couple of days around the draft. But he was talking about uh, Griffin, as much as he's a good shooter, just saying the dude's got feet of cement. Like, are, are you you're agreeing with that? Just the, the idea I, don't think, I, I don't think it's a, as bad as that. I think, no. I think BMAC's going a little hard there. 
That 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 would not surprise me. He does that. <laughs> Shout out to B Mac. Hey, well, a little hyperbolic. No, I I don't think his feet are are terrible. Um, I especially like as a defender. Like I, I think you know he can move a bit on the perimeter. Um, just in terms of like, as far as him like getting by people like with the ball in his hands, it, it's tough. But when you have that ability to shoot like he does, like I, I think, and, and it. it I think uh, one one of the factors is I I believe he was kind of like working from uh, like back from the injuries that he had had before, which are concerning as well. But like just the the fact that what he did like he's still only eighteen years old, and uh, I, like I, I think there's still growth there in terms of like possibly getting a little bit more uh, flexibility and athleticism. Okay. B Max big worried about his uh his knee and injury oh, history right. yeah, and i just right. i just like to point out that uh while that's a fair you know red flag but uh damian lillard and cj mccollum both missed significant time in their time in college with foot injuries it wasn't a knee but still an injury that held them out for an entire season basically uh and that one ended up working out pretty well too so yeah. don't get too worried yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, oh, yeah, there are a couple other wings, like uh, if you guys are interested in talking about um, a, a few guys who I, I believe the Blazers will probably have eyes on, too. Who's on your mind, dude? Yeah, who, who are they looking at? So, uh, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Okay, okay. see, like, let me just say, you took it out of my mouth. Uh, one of our other guys on Discord, uh, Homefield, uh, Homefield, I'm not exactly, he spelled it differently. It's H-O-M-M-E, I'm not sure what he wants, to, but, but Homefield. He was asking if we'd prefer a guard like Davis over Mathern when we're talking about this in there. And I was going to, literally my next question, Mikey, was going to be, do you want to stick with wings and bigs, or are you interested in a guard, even though Blazers have traditionally had a glute of guards they didn't need up here? But Johnny Davis, first name off your off your lips in that sense. Yeah, and I, I see him more as like a, a wing as well. Like he, Oh, yeah, you know, okay, okay. I, like, I think he's just kind of in that, like, you don't want to start him at small forward kind of, tweener, uh, kind of territory that you yeah yeah like okay, okay. Matherin also like like i just said like he's not an ideal small forward guy like he's more of a guard yeah. too um but they're, they're wings like you, know, you can play them at guard you can play them at forward like you know um but yeah he had a, a great year this year at wisconsin um really like carried the team um was one of the best players in like a conference that always gets like nine teams into the NCAA tournament. Um, he's a tough shot maker. Like that's what he does. Uh, really good defender as well. Um, as far as long range shooting, like exceptionally well, but he, uh, I, I think that that's something that he can build on. He's great in the mid range. Like that's where he, he does really well there. Um, yeah. And, and I, I just think, one of those guys they can look at like in this possible range and then the big like you know i guess wild card guy is shaden sharp um sure so okay. went to kentucky he came late and he didn't play um but he was at the time rated as the number one high school player in the high school class of 2022 eligible to um i guess go to college and then he um Ended up just practicing with the team. He had made it seem like he was possibly coming back next year. But uh, what Shaden has is he's, uh, again, like the, the measurements, very good for wing size. Um, explosive athlete. 
very strong as well. And he's a shot creator. Like he he's a guy that can really like, you know, um, make things happen off the bounce and create for himself. But he didn't play college basketball. And um, there's yeah, well, questions about Anthony Simons didn't play college ball either. So <laughs> I think like kind of if they if they ha- keep the seven pick and they have to use it, I think the the dream scenario, at least for me, is the the very low chance by by some people's standards. We'll see what you think of of Keegan Murray falling down to seven. I think that is pro- I mean, I. I think that's the guy Portland's looking at the most saying if that's the guy we want, should he fall when he doesn't, here's these other guys. But what do you think the chances are of Murray being available at seven? Yeah. So he was a guy that was on the list as well. Um, Just like my top Portland option Mm -hmm. for a big guy. Um, It's looking more and more like he's going to go like four to six. Like that, Mm -hmm. that, that's what I'm thinking. Of course he would. We want him at seven, so of course he would. (laughs) What Keegan has is, like, he was, when you're looking at, like, box plus minus and, like, analytic things, like, he was one of the best players in college basketball this year. Um, He basically, like, took over the Iowa team. So Iowa had a a big man the year before who wasn't necessarily the best NBA prospect but now plays with the Detroit Pistons named Luka Garza. Uh, Keegan Murray was looked really good off of the bench, like looked like the better long-term NBA prospect takes over the reins and is one of the best players in college basketball. You know, a guy who could possibly be uh, a decent defender. And um, yeah, just the, the, the major thing with Keegan is um, just like playmaking ability. Is he going to be good enough there? I'm just, I'm not completely sure like how, so how the system kind of made him maybe look a little bit better than he actually is like, like kind of like almost like an Obi Toppin kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other thing was he he's a little bit old for like, so he technically should be like a junior senior as opposed to like a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- those are things that like, you know, tend to age is, is a factor when you're like kind of, trying to evaluate these guys who maybe are, are like uh, putting up different numbers and, and doing different things at, at um, different stages. And so that, that, that's one of the, the concerns with Keegan as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think like he's a, a worthwhile kind of forward bet, like in this, in this range. I just think that he is, it's looking more and more like he's going to go for through six. So Murray would be the ideal pick if he if he fell that far. You 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 think Murray would be? A good would you say that? Yeah, I, I yeah. think Griffin would be the guy I would look at. Oh, Griffin would even be okay. Well, here let, let me let me give you five here because we we've talked about Benedict Benedict Mathurin, uh, Johnny Davis, uh, uh, Keegan Murray, AJ Griffin, and the fifth one I want to throw in here again from our our guy on Discord, uh, Mac Deuce, Brandon McIntyre, <laughs> our our local version of Michael Weisenberg. Uh, he said his pick. Would be Dyson Daniels, a uh, little taller, little little bigger dude. I think is what I'm understanding. Of those five, Dyson Daniels, Mathurin, Davis, uh, Griffin, and I'm forgetting the fifth already. Uh, oh, Murray. Oh, Shaden Sharp. There he is. So now we're up to six. But but like uh, you you think you're leaning towards? Murray uh, is like a power forward kind of guy. Murray is yeah, but but Murray, you're thinking isn't going to fall that far anyway. No. Okay. 
But, but so of, of the ones that you'd predict at seven, do, do you see Dyson Daniels at seven or is that, yeah, he'd Dyson be Daniels is a possibility. Yeah. He, he, was, he was uh, the last, uh, I'm like, so I, I had five wings were Griffin, Matherin, um, Johnny Davis, Shaden Sharp, Dyson Daniels. Okay. Okay. But, but you lean Griffin. It sounded like is what you were maybe saying. Yeah. Okay. Because like, I'm, I'm just trying to get the cheat sheet here. Look, you know, I, I am obviously, I'm the, the noob. I'm the, 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 the amateur, <laughs> the layman of all this, uh, the draft, uh, draft stock guys. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, if I'm being honest, I, I enjoy talking about this with you guys. I enjoy the theoreticals and thinking about what these guys could turn into, but I just don't pay attention to them enough. I, I don't, I don't put the time in to pay attention to them until they get to the league. And even then I'm only paying attention to the dudes who are <laughs> at the top end of it. So like, this is. It's it's nice getting this kind of information from you. This is why I love having you on here, Mikey, because you can give me these breakdowns, and I can just sit here and be like, okay, well, so 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 that's all great, sir, but give me the Scantron answer. Oh, so so you're picking A, AJ Griffin? That's where you go. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm good with it, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate your breakdown. So, uh, do you want to know about Dyson Daniels just in general? Yeah, yeah. Tell me, yeah, how are you feeling about Daniels? He's from Australia. And and let me just throw in there too. If if you want to hate on him a little bit, just because that's who. Uh, Brandon McIntyre is a fan of. Feel free. I, I'm I'm just yeah. just do whatever. <laughs> so he's an intriguing guy. Like he's one of the better defensive prospects I think in this draft. Like just moves his feet really well there. Portland's fans' ears just what defense? <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> a good playmaker and passer. It's just a, like didn't shoot very well. Um, and you just kind of wonder maybe like where the offense is going to come from. Um, not like the best ball handler either, like kind of like one of those more kind of connector type wings. Um, and he measured in today at like six, seven and a half in shoes. But, so really good size. Um, yeah, like just one of those guys who you would place next to like an already established point guard like Damian Lillard. Um, so yeah, like just somebody that I could see the Blazers at least looking at as well. And like, I, I think just in this general range. Un- unrelated to the Blazers, just draft in general. Let's go. I want to know, what do you think the odds are that the Orlando Magic dangle that first pick Ooh. to build out their roster? Because I look at a team that has, uh, when healthy, uh, a Jonathan Isaac, who is very good in the fact that he can play small forward and power forward. They have Wendell Carter. They have Mo Bamba as a free agent, but to try to get him back. Basically, I'm looking at a team that has a lot of talent at the power forward center position. And you look at the, at the draft and I mean, the, the consensus top three is power forward centers. So Orlando doesn't necessarily need that position. So, so what do you, do you think there's a chance my uh, Orlando dangles that bad boy and maybe to bring in a, a shooting guard or another small forward or something. And then not necessarily I mean Portland doesn't have the, the keys to get into that one, but uh, just what do you think of the other prospect of Orlando, not even using that pick? I think uh, there's much more of a chance of them dangling one of the guys that you just mentioned than the number one, one of the players. players. Yeah. Like I, I, which I, is I, what I think this is going to be like an upgrade on whatever they, they had there. Like it's valuable as like a Jonathan Isaac is, um, on the basketball court. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I caught that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, uh, he, he, like also a guy who just missed an entire season and has had huge injury issues. Um, and, uh, they did just choose Franz Wagner, who's kind of like, you know, I guess they're like wing of the yeah. future, but yeah, I, I think, 
one of those guys is going to be like, and from what I'm seeing, it's looking like, I think it's between two players. And I think it's between Jabari Smith Jr. and, and Chet Holmgren. Huh. I would have Paulo Bancaro like firmly in the mix. And to me, he's like the guy I would probably look at there. But that's I, my top three. Uh, so. Yeah. I, I think that's the, the consensus. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think they go with one of those guys. Because like, they don't really, like Jonathan Isaac, even at like his peak, he's more of that really good complimentary piece rather than like a star. And I think that's what you're kind of looking for since you have the first pick. Which I, which, which again, now I think that's where this could get, this could get interesting. Cause again, let's, let's not get into off court politics, but, <laughs> but stylistically, no, okay, no, no, stylistically and what Portland needs and what it could fill out the roster as a, is a complimentary piece. Jonathan Isaac fits that role to a T to an absolute T so that's why I bring this up because if, if it, they're loaded in that position, now there's going to be the guys that are available. I don't think it's Wendell Carter because I think they had, he had a pretty good run with them uh, this year and they've, they've shown a great future with him. But with Mo Bamba hitting free agency, like I, I, I mean, if I could get Mo Bamba on a NERC deal, Oof. I'd take Mo Bamba. <laughs> I guess. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, th- that's why I bring that up because I also agree. Like I don't, I don't think they're going to trade that pick because the, the, the three names that are going to be in that mix, I think can jump into that roster and make an immediate impact and allow them to trade out some of those names. But if I'm a Portland fan, I would, I would look at names like the possibility of getting a Mo Bamba or a possibility of trading. Like, t- tell me if you're Orlando. Granted, there's names there, but hey, if I can add the seventh pick and a couple more assets and I can get out of this Jonathan Isaac contract and continue to go, like, that's that's enticing. And that's where that seventh pick as an attachable asset becomes intriguing. So, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm convincing myself that Jonathan Isaac is going to be yeah, a blazer that- now. <laughs> One thing, the one thing I was laughing at is like the thought of Jonathan Isaac in Portland. Oh, it's a, it's a, ter- it's a terrible, it's, it's a terrible match uh, personality to city. Hey, it's been one thing that Portland has shown they care about, man. Like Portland has gotten on, on this uh, issue a bit. And then, yeah, it's, 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 hey, it, I- it's. It's funny. Maybe, 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 maybe things moving forward. Maybe that becomes more of an issue for fans. Maybe it becomes more of a factor in in free hey, agency. Who knows? I'm just here to talk basketball, though, and from <laughs> on, on the court basketball, uh, <laughs> Isaac's good. Just give my last two guys, like uh, who I, I thought might be in the. Oh yeah. Possible. No, sorry, we we interrupted your list. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No worries. No worries. Um, Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. Um, got to see him live this year. He's nice. like a big guy. He, he would be that like in the four spot. Um, really good defender, still really raw on offense. Um, but like as bad as his shooting ki- indicators are, like it looks okay. And I, I think there's still room for growth there. Um, but yeah, he would he would be a project, but um, re- like a nice athlete, good size at the four. Um, and then um, the guy that um, ESPN currently has the Blazers taking, and somebody that I think they would look at as well is uh, Jalen Duran uh, out of Memphis. Yep. Um, actually played in Portland during the NCAA tournament. Um, he is the youngest player in the draft, I believe, and um, was a guy who reclassified from the high school class of 2022. Um, he is about six foot ten with a seven foot five wingspan. Incredible, like hands. His hands are enormous. Um, just a 
a few questions in terms of like how his offensive game will develop. I think he's a, a good passer, but you know, there's still work to be done there. And then just like how hard he kind of goes on the court. Um, there were games this year where he was a little up and down. Um, but yeah, he's somebody who I think, uh, if you're looking for like that possible, like center of the future, um, somebody who can move his feet pretty well. And like kind of more in that, like, like I said about Aiden, like the kind of like drop big who can maybe do a mobile a bit in terms yeah. of versatility on defense. Like he's a guy to look at. Well, hey, I mean, so on and, and Duran both also mentioned by some of our Trailcasters Discordians as far as players that they would be targeting with the seventh pick. So if nothing else, Mikey, uh, I can say that everyone on your list is people we're talking about in our Discord. So listeners, please come and join the, the Discord. Link is in the episode description. Mikey, we're waiting for you to come and join us in there as well. And But uh, yeah, thank you as always, man, for all the insight. Really do appreciate it. I have two more questions here. Let's hit you with uh, from, again, from listeners on Discord. Uh, this is from Tim at the Busted Bucket Podcast. So again, listeners, if you haven't heard the Busted Bucket Podcast, they are they're another excellent pod. They're part of our our unofficial network, part of the Trailcasters <laughs> Empire that we're getting going here. Uh, go and give them a listen. They've had myself on. They've had Chris on. They've had Travis Demers on. Probably would love to have you on as well, Mikey. They've had uh, 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 you know like some foreign players on there as well. Oh my goodness! Get to the question, Keith. <laughs> okay, get into the questions. Tim from Busted Bucket asks. If the Blazers don't trade the pick and or get a great piece that takes them to the next level this upcoming season, when is the time for a fire sale and a rebuild? And part two, so when is the time for a fire sale if it doesn't work out this season? Part two is how long would that take assuming they keep Penny and Nas? And, you know, uh, Mikey, sorry, you know, I'm not sure if you're initiated here, how much of the pod, I know you've been listening to us some, but I'm not sure, you know, Penny being Penny <laughs> Simons. Okay, okay, just, just, uh, you knew, you knew. I don't need to qualify that. The 17 buzzers I heard on your last podcast, <laughs> Chris apparently was using the wrong name. I think that clued me in. Okay. Uh, hold, hold on, hold on. This, this, this SOB buzzes me every time I say and. Oh, you know that. You know that. I told you that. It's, I don't listen. I don't listen back. Like I, he always asks me. He's like, "Did you listen?" I go, "No, I recorded it. I know what I said. I don't need to I listen." I told you that. But now I need to listen back to some. Oh, is, 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 look, and, me. It's, it's, it's pretty funny. Like those, I'll admit, like those things definitely spice it up. You're a clown, oh, son. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like in it. Terms no, it. Question, in terms of the question, like, so you're saying if it doesn't work next year, like when should they? Yeah, if, if they don't trade the pick and uh, and the piece doesn't pan out to be some amazing core piece for us, when is the time to, to, to reboot? When do you blow it up and rebuild? And how long would that take assuming you keep any of They're building around Simons and, and Little? I think that's the idea. Like, <laughs> you're not having it. Just be like you would tank. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so you would you would trade Dame for whatever draft capital and like young guys you could get, and then you would tank. <laughs> so so you're thinking it would take years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like honestly, okay. I and this is another thing I, I talked about with you back in the day, Keith. That yep. I. I finally get to bring up with here <laughs> now when, when like kobe was on that the end of his super max and oh, like, oh i know where you're going. yeah <laughs> like at least he had won five rings before that and like you know that, that's that's the big difference whereas like dame got to the conference finals i'm i'm like he's he's almost at that like dreaded you know like 
most players, once they hit 32, it's not going up for them. So I, that's... I mean, most players aren't getting an ab surgery at 32 where they've had it for seven, eight years. You know, he, he, he's going to look better next year than he has his entire NBA career, bro. It's going to be... Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> I was like, the ab surgery, I think, is a minus to what I was just saying. <laughs> like, that's, that's why I'm, like, I'm even more worried. And, no, like, no. if you're talking about does Dame deserve the Supermax and everything like that, like, sure. But... Are you going to build a championship team around a team like with Damian Lillard as a guy with the supermax? That's gonna be tough. Well, that, that, that's that, that we're we're shifting gears here. That's a totally different question. Then, like he's asking if the draft pick doesn't work out. That's absolutely, the question because that <laughs> that's where you play into should we have a fire sale. Well, but I, you know, I think you point out some nice stuff too, though. When when you were answering the second part of this question, saying it's gonna take a long time if we were building around Penny and Nas, to me that. I think a lot of Blazer fans are a little disillusioned that Penny's nearly as good as Dame. P Penny is not nearly on Dame's level. And, and I think you pointed that out right there. You said that rebuild would take a while. That to me reinforces the added value that Dame has more than the rest of these guys. So you keep building around Dame. You don't rebuild. You 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 get rid of the young piece. You trade Anthony and build around Dame. You're not gonna hey. get another Dame in the time. You, you gotta go hey, with the best piece. Hey, when we trade, well, I said we, I hate that, what an idiot. Yeah, Blazer fans. When, when the Blazers <laughs> trade that seventh pick for Anthony Davis or whatever, All-Star's gonna come in here, according to Twitter. It's gonna change everything, Keith. It's gonna yep. change everything. Changes everything. Changes. Ton of value in that pick, baby. It's gonna bring <laughs> in an All-Star. Pretty sure it's gonna be like seventh pick for Jimmy Butler or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's what yeah. we said when the when the draft stuff happened too. It's like changes everything and nothing or both. Not really. He's one of those rare cases where the guy's like amazing at 32 and beyond. Like he's what he's doing right now. Oh, Jimmy Butler, J Butts. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he'd be an interesting one to get up here if it was ever possible. Okay, final question. Final question, also from Tim hey. at the Busted Bucket Podcast. Go and check out Busted Bucket. Also, go and check out the Unbiased Blazers Podcast. Didn't hey. have anything in here today, but they had a draft watch party yesterday. They had a Spaces the night before talking about this, just trying to get the, the Blazer hype up. Good guys, good podcast. Again, part of, part of our unofficial Trailcasters and Friends network. I'm not trying to make it just about us. It's, it's all of us. It's equal parts. But uh, second question in here from Tim. Who would win in a fight between Shredder and Batman? Keep your mouth shut, Chris. Don't you say a word. I want to know Mikey's opinion. I just love that you asked. <laughs> Who wins between Shredder and Batman, Mikey? Shredder and Batman. Now, do you think that Uncle Phil could kick any of the Batman's ass? Uncle Phil? Like Will's, uh, like Fresh Prince? Didn't Uncle he do Phil? the voice of Shredder? Oh my God. Did he really? Yeah. I think on the cartoon. Whoa. Yeah. Yo, I got to look this up. You just blew my mind. Shredder, it's... like, there, there may be something there. I was a huge <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, like, when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> he did. He did. The answer is yes. He did it? Oh, my God. That's amazing. James Avery, Uncle Phil, the voice of Shredder. That does. Bro, that that gives, I mean that gives some gravitas to Shredder here. No, because he can't <laughs> hold a candle to Kevin Conroy. Cannot hold a candle <laughs> to Kevin go. Conroy. <laughs> see, and see that was the thing with, with this in Discord. When Tim brought this up in Discord, Chris fires back. Chris Chris got into it, man. Like they, it turned into a whole thing about uh <laughs> Batman versus Shredder and how it happened in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Troll comic book. So of course they 
pump up Shredder a little bit more, maybe downplay Batman. But then you look at what other people Batman has defeated, and then you we talked about Batman versus Robin, and then Chris brought that into uh, 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 Robin versus Nightwing. And uh, you know that these conversations <laughs> get legs quick, bro. <laughs> Shredder, Shredder would get destroyed. <laughs> that dude, that dude struggled to t- take out four turtles. You think you're gonna take out Batman? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever needed to see evidence of of how how Shredder just doesn't have, uh, he's not good for game planning, man. Go and watch Secrets of the Ooze. Every time they hold up the Ooze, like the Ooze, like the giant long <laughs> delay with no action, and then like you know, I'm just kind of like pausing and looking at it in the room, and before it gets batted out of the hands and juggled around with the turtles. Yeah, Bat- Bat- Batman has handled. Uh, what we're we talking the Ben Affleck or or the uh, uh the Robert Pattinson. We're talking Pattinson, and Pattinson. I liked that movie. It was it was dark and like weird and like yeah. was into it, but like much better style yeah, of Batman. James I Avery versus Robert Pattinson is a fight I would pay to see. James, oh there yeah. we go. Yeah, get the actors. Get James Avery versus Robert Pattinson, and then you can even get uh like you you got to have the random. The, the the random third piece that comes in here you got to have joker okay if we're having a batman fight joker has to appear at some point so you can get mark hamill involved so james yeah, avery see. robert pattinson mark hamill see but now if we're talking about the actors who betrayed them that's not fair because james <laughs> avery looks like he could he could f- every single one of those actors up like like prime james avery was like he looked like a guy that you would not want to cross so Dude. yeah Dude was a like a mountain of a man. Did you, I mean? Do you see the ease that he threw Jazz out of that house every episode <laughs> of Fresh Prince? Uh, Mikey, it's always good having you in here, man. Thank you so much for all your time. Uh, if the listeners were trying to catch you anywhere else, where they where can they find you on social media? Where they where can they find your pod, your YouTube? Uh, give us your give us your headlines, your your tag. Yeah, um, right now just go to NBA Draft Mikey V on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. And then at underscore pro insight is where a lot of my work will be. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that we are doing a um, NBA draft cohort class that uh, started actually yesterday. Um, it is run by Get In The Game 101, which um, was started by John Ross, who was with oh. the Portland Trailblazers for the last 15 years. Yeah. Uh, the class I thought was fantastic. It has some excellent speakers and uh i am just super stoked on that so follow get in the game 101 and we're going to have five more classes and we would love to talk to you guys about that yeah just follow me on twitter the address like we love talking about football thanks as always i, I think this is like eight or nine times i've been on I, like uh, yeah, see, I was close. I said sixty-seven. You're, 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 you're taking the over. I like it, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's positivity. No, I always, always love, love having you, dude. Always, always love hearing from you. The, the, the insight, or should, or should I say, the pro insight, is just top notch. That's what I was. That was the pro of the show. We're doubling up. We're adding some depth to our roster around here. So, Michael Weisenberg, thank you as always. It's it's always wonderful talking with you. We appreciate that. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you one more time to Michael Weisenberg of Pro Insight. Thank you, Chris Burkhardt. Thank you, Odar, for these fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. And also, of course, thank you, Discordians, for all of your wonderful engagement and questions on there. Come and join us on Discord. Link in the episode description. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. And thank you, Batman. (laughs) Thank you, Batman.